A public service announcement from Misfit Boy. Hello everyone. I'm here to tell you of a disease that has gone unnoticed for far too long. It's a disease that has been on the back burner for some time now. That disease is none other than seriousness. This disease is worse than any zombie apocalypse ever imagined. Fortunately, thanks to Dr. Midnight Corey, all hope is not lost. For just pennies a day, you can help Dr. Corey continue his extensive research in hopes to finding a cure. Seriousness is becoming more and more a widespread epidemic than ever. With your help and funding, Dr. Midnight Corey will be able to find a cure for this dreaded disease. Won't you please help? Please. Before we all become more serious than Nancy Grace. So please, send your donations to Dr. Midnight Corey, Inc. at 666-Give-A-Damn Avenue or call in your generous donations to 814-806-2828. Won't you help Dr. Corey? Help those suffering from this crippling disease before it's too late. This has been Misfit Boy, and I approve this message. Oh, thank you, Misfit Boy, for that informational PSA, that public service announcement. Uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to kind of raise awareness of such an important subject and I, I do appreciate every penny that rolls in. <laughs> so, yes. Well, welcome to the podcast. My name is Corey. This here thing is called Midnight Corey, where I just talk about a bunch of stuff, namely zombie movies and horror, and uh, I play some music and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we have a good time. Just want to remind you to go to midnightcory.com. That is my headquarters, my home on the web. Oh yeah. So uh, midnightcory.com. Actually, I just updated the music page. And the music page is the place where I keep all the songs, my original songs that I play for you on the podcast. And those are available to listen to or to download for free. All for free. Oh yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, everything is current. And uh, I'll hopefully keep updating it here on a regular basis. I've gotten behind, but I am trying to get better because I love you all. I love you all. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, this is the official podcast of the Italian zombie movie, both parts one and two. Uh, Mr. Tom Burdinsky, Jeff Bromley, all those fine people over there are working on a third part right now, which I'm really excited about. So definitely go check out the Italian zombie movie. Links are on my website. In the show notes, oh yeah, yeah. So, still plugging away on the old movie. Actually, the going has been slow because of Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, by the way. Mine was uh, very good, very good. The, the food was wonderful. Of course, uh, I have the in-laws to eat with early in the day, and then I have my family, my, my parents, that side of the family, to eat with in the later part of the day. So, I get a lot of food I eat and overeat, and then for the rest of the time, it's just like I'm picking at the dessert table after that. Just like, oh my god, oh my god. But, uh, so yeah, with being busy over Thanksgiving and, and getting stuff ready for Christmas and whatever, I haven't been working on the movie as much as I could. My goal is to get it done by Christmas, and I, 
man, I'm really going to have to do it. And it was helpful that I quit the uh, National Novel Writing Month attempt for this year. For the past four years, I've done it successfully, but this is the first year now in five years that I've had to drop out. So yeah, yeah, I got about 13, 14,000 words. And it was a weird story, but uh, I just couldn't fit it into my schedule. So now I have more time. I, I'm making more music and uh, doing other things. I have a lot of work and a lot of uh, kind of personal things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same old story. I know you're sick of hearing it. And I just talk about always how busy I am, like I'm some kind of big, important person, which I'm not. But uh, anyhow, anyhow, uh, what do we got? Well, okay, let's talk about Thanksgiving and what specifically I did, because it was, it was interesting this year. Of course, I went home Thanksgiving Day to spend with my family and uh, uh, ate a lot, like I said. The day after that, Black Friday, my wife decides to be one of the stupid people that gets up really, really early and goes and waits in line for sales and spends all kinds of money on stupid stuff. So she decides to go do that which is fine, because I had tickets to go see the Pitt versus WVU game down at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. And I went with my dad, my brother, my brother's wife, and our, uh, our 11-year-old nephew. So that was really fun. Uh, I wrote about that whole thing on my blog on MidnightCory.com. There's a whole article up right now about it, so uh, go check it out. I took a lot of pictures of Pittsburgh because uh, we crossed the river on the ferry. We actually parked in Station Square. And uh, yeah, it was just beautiful. It was a great day. It was a beautiful looking day, although it was very cold. And let me tell you, WVU students are retards. <laughs> Absolute retards. And it's, I'm not saying that because I'm any kind of like big Pitt fan or anything because I could really, I don't really care about college football very much at all. Uh, although I did enjoy the football being played on the field and watching that going on, even though Pitt got whooped. But uh, that was fun to watch. It was just all the people, you know, the WVU students were just... <laughs> Stupid. Oh, man. So, anyhow, that was interesting. Went home, shot some guns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing like uh, shooting some guns. Actually, my dad still had a bunch of uh, aging pumpkins sitting around from Halloween in the fall season. And so they were very soft and squishy, had beginning to begun to rot. And so we set those up and we're, we're uh, just shooting away at the pumpkins, and that was fun. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so I had a great time. But, yeah, go read the, the full thing on my blog with all the pictures. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, <sighs> I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You know, it's that time of year. Man, the holidays just come up, all kinds of holidays, and hey, you know, it gets cold. It's been snowing already. I've had furnace issues already. Yeah, that's been fun. But uh, anyhow, I'll be talking about great things this week. I uh, got reviews, well, reviews, discussions about movies, whatever, whatever. I don't want to be another just like review podcast, but that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> Uh, episode 5 of The Walking Dead, of course, just happened this past Sunday, and I'll be talking about that. And you'll be hearing from Spooky Bill once again about it, which is fantastic. Uh, also be talking about Dr. Blood's Coffin from 1960. I'll finally, finally tell you about it. I was supposed to last week, but I ran out of time. I got lazy, I got tired, I uh, got distracted. What can you do? Um, and also, I watched two other movies on Netflix that are more in the vein of, of horror uh, and not zombie movies. But uh, <laughs> these these were pleasant surprises. These were kind of gems that I stumbled upon on Netflix Instant Watch. And that's part of the reason I love Netflix Instant Watch. Did I tell you I downgraded my plan? Now, I'm not getting DVDs anymore at all. I just downgraded to the $7.99 streaming only. 
because that's where it's at, baby. That's where it's at. So anyhow, <laughs> from 1981, I watched Monster Dog, starring Alice Cooper. <laughs> yes. And uh, also uh, from 1981, oh no, I'm sorry. Monster Dog is not from 1981. I typed it wrong here. Monster Dog is from 1984. My other movie that I'm talking about from uh, Netflix is from 1981, and that is, of course, The Burning. The Burning starring that one guy from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and also Jason Alexander, who most of us know much better as George Costanza. So, wow, wow, yes. Diamonds in the rough, let me tell you. Uh, also, I have some original music. I got a ton of awesome voicemails. So, so yeah, let's just get on with some goodness. Gentlemen, are you familiar with the term zombie? Doc, did you say zombie? Webster defines it as a willless being capable of only automatic movement, oblivious to pain, and whose only concern is in carrying out the will of its masters. And you're saying everybody here has been somehow zombied? Actually, the correct term is zombified, or in what is clinically known as a zomboid state. This week we saw episode 5 of The Walking Dead on AMC. This is the next to last episode of season 1, and then we have to wait like 10 months before we get anything else from this story, so we better enjoy it. <laughs> Anyhow, before I get into my thoughts on it, we're going to hear from my good friend, Spooky Bill. Hey, Corey, this is Spooky Bill. Had a hell of a time trying to talk to you earlier, so it's a lot better now. My dog is still acting like a douche, but the kids are eating. And uh, it's a very quiet house right now. So I watched The Walking Dead Episode 5, right? Second to last episode. I enjoyed it. Um, There was a lot that I actually did not see coming. Um, I mean, you knew Andrea was waiting for Amy to to raise, you know, before she killed her. And, um, you know, there was actually a lot going on in this episode. Not a lot of zombies in this episode. At least I should say not a lot of walking zombies in this episode. But, you know, I was fine with that. Um, you know, we, we like the best zombie movies are about the people, not the zombies. Yada, yada, yada. I'm a broken record. I can beat things that other people say. Anyway, but it's true. Um, one, uh, well, you know, I'm trying not to spoil this episode. Um, but, you know, it comes to a point where you know, or the second to last episode, I can't really talk about a lot of stuff without spoiling, you know, the first four other, you know, the first four episodes, you know, and and basically if somebody hasn't seen the first four or even five episodes yet, then, you know, I don't know what they're waiting for because it's going to get spoiled. So it's just a fact that the listener has to deal with that somebody is eventually going to spoil the other episodes for him. But I won't be a complete dick. Yeah, I uh, won't be a complete dick. I got my daughter's reason. And I won't, will try not to spoil too much of this episode. Um, little things, though, like uh, Shane um, with uh, Rick and his scope. And uh, I uh, was wondering, but he pulled away. I thought he was going to shoot Rick. Or a shoot, take a shot at Rick. Um, though, you know, Dale saw it. Wasn't very happy. I like Dale. He's a no-nonsense old man. He's not dumb. He knows what's going on. Um, initially, I had thought 
there, there's an event in the comic that happens between Carl and Shane. And you guys, you know, I, I think if you've read the comic, you know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a significant event. You, um, well, initially I thought that's where the season was going to end. I thought it was going to end with that event. But I've come to realize that, you know, kids and... Well, shit. Okay, kids and guns aren't... Don't go over very well on television. And I don't think that they're going to pull that exactly how they did it in the book. I think it's going to be Lori who does it. Um, Or they might not even do it. I don't know. I, I... I don't. I really don't know how they're gonna, you know, play play with the rest of the season. So um, it it really is keeping me entertained and in the dark and excited to watch the next episode. <clears throat> I did, however, think they were gonna stay in the camp and weren't going to move until the next season or the very end of the this season. And I was surprised to see that they actually did leave and they actually got to their destination, um, the CDC, which was actually pretty cool. Um, now, you know, we, we get there and we see some, some douche nozzle talking to do a webcam about zombies and science. Yeah. I mean, come on, that's been done before, you know, everybody's doing that stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, then we see, we see the virus and this is actually really cool. You know, looking past the point that he didn't use an electron microscope, which, he would have had to have, to be able to see the virus in the detail that he thought. Um, you know, I, I can ignore that because, well, I don't know. It's just easy for me to ignore. But we saw the virus, and that was actually pretty cool. But we don't really know what we were looking at. Were we looking at the virus? Were we looking at a mutation of the virus? Were we looking at the uh, his attempts to destroy the virus with another virus? I, I I really I mean we don't know what we're looking at actually you know what I'm <laughs> I'm doing a video yeah a, a nerd talking into a webcam about zombies and science I'm doing a video on this on this virus because it really it's it's a great theme because we know it's a virus and we we know basically what type of virus and um but again it's the worst theme because. We don't really know what we're looking at. And my daughter spilled milk all over the place. And um, I am going to let you go now. This has been Spooky Bill with uh, general enjoyment out of episode 5 with The Walking Dead. Even though it's taken me so many tries to call in and tell you this. And apparently this try isn't going any better. Well, well said, Spooky Bill. Uh, You're exactly right. At this point, we cannot uh, do without spoilers. I've just thrown the whole spoiler issue out the window from the very first time I was talking about this. But I'm going to try not to give away what's happening in the comic, which may spoil what you see on the TV show. Although, I think this episode, man, is a, a complete... Uh, well, it's the biggest departure we've seen from the comic, because, of course, in the comic, uh, CDC, uh, you know, never made it there. But I'll just respond to a couple things here before I get into my comments here about this specific episode. Um, uh, the whole thing between Shane and Carl, 
Uh, I think that's very well said. Um, I was surprised that that whole element uh, didn't show up before now. I actually expected it to happen th this episode, especially when you had that scene where Shane had Rick in his sights. That was kind of uh, disturbing. But, um, you know, you're right. You're right. The whole thing with kids shooting guns is an extremely touchy subject right now. It's almost in bad taste. Uh, not that, not that that would be any deterrent to me. I, I would, I would love to see that scene, and I have no qualms with stories, make-believe stories, such as The Walking Dead, that includes kids shooting guns and killing people and things like that, because it's just a story, and this is not a series <laughs> to, uh, be seen by young children. So, uh, I don't know. There you go. It's almost interesting when you think about the level of violence and how the, the, a, a level of extreme violence can be accepted, whereas a, a subject such as maybe a kid shooting a gun, maybe a kid killing a person, uh, would be avoided. Very, very interesting. Interesting. And I'd never thought about this virus thing either. Uh, I'm not very knowledgeable in the realm of science. <laughs> I wish I was. So oftentimes I make things up. I make up my own science sometimes. Uh, it's quite fun. You should try it. But anyhow, there is such a thing as reality and real science, and uh, you know a lot about it yourself, and that's very interesting. And over at Paraphysiology of the Living Dead, Spooky Bill just posted something about this, so uh, yeah, go, go check that out. I have links up in the show notes. But that's very interesting. I had no idea that wasn't an electron microscope. Uh, I just don't know things like that. But uh, anyhow, thank you. Thank you for calling that in. Uh, as always, man, I, I certainly appreciate it. And you're so much smarter than me. It's like you, you give me some kind of credibility. So <laughs> thank you. Um, but here we go. As we've seen all season long, The Walking Dead is unapologetically brutal. I mean, this thing, you, you, <laughs> you have such violent scenes. Oh, man. You know, especially, you know, Andrea is holding dead Amy in her arms. Amy comes back as a zombie and Andrea apologizes to her and then blows her brains out. And then the whole time they are just splitting the skulls open of fallen zombies and, and the dead. <laughs> oh, wow. I just love it. I certainly love it. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, we start off with Rick, and we, we have flashes of Rick doing this, actually, in the first part of the episode, where Rick is sitting on a hill overlooking Atlanta. He's on his walkie-talkie, and he's just hoping that Morgan is on the other end and they can hear him, although Rick has no indication that Morgan is there at all. But he's just doing this out of faith, doing it out of hope, telling him by no means go into the city, that uh, if Morgan should be uh, headed for the camp, that they're going to be leaving the camp and Rick is leaving him instructions, leaving him a map that's all attached to the car that they've stripped down to uh, repair the RV. But we have this whole thing play out, like I said, with Andrea and Amy, where Amy, of course, has been bitten in the last episode, you know, uh, and now Andrea's there holding her in her arms. She has a lot of guilt. Dale comes over and comforts her, so we're seeing a thing maybe between Andrea and Dale. I don't know, call me crazy, we may see that. And, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the great scene where Andrea kind of releases this guilt, uh, Amy comes back as a zombie, and then Andrea apologizes, shoots her in the head. It's a great scene. I love that scene. <laughs> and then uh, Glenn is having this whole morality thing. He gets worked up about burning the people who died in the zombie attack from their camp. You know, he's adamant that only zombies, which they call geeks, uh, only zombies should be burned. 
and that their people should be given a proper burial. So, you know, we're still seeing the whole dignity in dying thing. Because they still believe there's respect in dying. But Jim uh, has been bitten. Remember Jim last episode? He was kind of nuts. He was digging that, digging that grave. He said he had a dream. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, oh yeah, my dream was about this, about the zombie attack. So that was kind of kind of spooky and it was kind of cool. But uh, so he reveals that he's been bitten and the whole camp starts to argue about whether they're going to kill him. And uh, so there's this whole struggle back and forth. Daryl wants to, you know, Daryl is <laughs> Daryl's a son of a gun. And uh, Rick, of course, doesn't. He still thinks that there may be a cure and he brings up the whole issue of the CDC. And at the same time, though, you know, uh, Shane is very upset with Rick because Rick had decided to go back to the city, try to rescue Morgan and everything, get the guns. And, of course, that's when the zombie attack happened back at the camp. So he's like, if you wouldn't have taken all the manpower with you, man, you know, it, we wouldn't have suffered all these losses. And, and, of course, there's this anger building. You can sense that. And uh, they decide that they're going to travel to the CDC. They're leaving camp. Now, of course, there's one family. They're a, a Latino family, a father, mother, and a sister, and a brother. And they decide they're, they're staying back because they have relatives and loved ones nearby that they're going to attempt to reach. So, uh, like I said, Rick leaves instructions for Morgan in case he comes back to the camp. And uh, so they take off in the RV. And they, actually, they have this whole caravan, but it's led in the RV. Now, Jim is painfully dying. He, he's going through this fever in the RV, and he's in a lot of pain. He's like, man, my bones feel like glass every time we hit a bump. It's just terrible. I can't take it. You feel so bad. Because deep down, you feel really bad for Jim because he lost his whole family. He had to see zombies eat his entire family, and he couldn't do anything about it. So this man is in a lot of pain mentally, emotionally, and now physically. <laughs> Poor Jim. Man, he is just, he's been beaten up on. So we get down the road a ways, and the RV breaks down. It's overheating. They have to make some repairs. Meanwhile, it's very hot, it's crazy, and Jim is miserable, and he tells Rick that he just wants the people to carry him outside and just leave him there. Because he has no desire, he just wants to die in peace and be with his family. So, of course, they struggle with whether they're going to honor his wishes or not, but eventually they're like, yeah, okay, he, he seems lucid, this is what he wants to do, and let's face it, that's the safest option for us, because he is going to die, he is going to come back as a zombie, so that's dangerous. So they lean him up against a tree and take off. And of course, this is very similar to uh, Jim's end in the comic. Of course, Jim was bitten on the arm in the comic, and in the TV show, Jim was bitten kind of on the abdomen. And it was a very big bite, too. It was kind of weird. But uh, anyhow, it takes a complete different shift uh, after the one commercial break, and we see these transmissions. Spooky Bill was calling them like, you know, the webcam things that this uh, government scientist from the CDC was doing, and things are looking grim. Um, and he just said, you know, oh, things aren't working out. He's like the only one there, apparently. Everyone else has, has fled or has died, I guess. And then it shows him in the lab doing experiments, and we see the microscope shots, like Spooky Bill was talking about, but they're all kind of CG things. They're, they're okay. But things start going wrong. <laughs> the lab ends up exploding, burning up. And then he does another transmission about the miserable failure, and he says, ah, oh, he's, he's contemplating committing suicide, but first he's going to get drunk. So, you know, that's clearly the best thing to do. If you're ever caught in a situation where you're contemplating suicide, 
uh, the first thing, the first step that you should take to resolve this decision is to get drunk. So right there, you see it from uh, the screen here, from the TV screen in The Walking Dead. <laughs> of course, none of this CDC jazz is in the comics, Jack. <laughs> you know, we never saw the CDC in the comic. Um, but of course, Rick and the group have now found it. They knew where the CDC was. It was on a map, I guess. Um, and they make it there in the RV. There are tons of fallen zombies all over the place. I was actually quite impressed by the number of dead bodies you see scattered all over the place. And I really like it that there were so many flies around. You know, that gives you that atmosphere, just very uncomfortable. You feel like you're in a swarm of flies. You're around these dead bodies. You can only imagine the smells at that point. Man, man, absolutely a, a great scene. But like I said, this is a huge, huge departure from the comic. Uh, they go up to the CDC, and of course there's a security camera out front. The, the scientist inside sees them outside, and he's like, just go away, just go away. Of course they don't hear this, but uh, they see the camera, and they see that it's moving around, so they know he's in there. And so Rick starts pleading, and he starts banging on the door. He's like, let us in, come on, man, come on. And for the longest time, the scientist holds out. He doesn't want to let them in. But just as they begin to turn back and lose all hope, the door opens. <sighs> Big burst of light. <sighs> it's like the gates of heaven are opening. So, wow, wow. Uh, you know, I think Spooky Bill may have said, you know, he has no idea now how to predict where this is going, especially based on the comic. I mean, man, we didn't see this at all in the comic. I have no clue. <laughs> no clue whatever. I, 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 the next thing I believe that happens in the comic is they found the uh, subdivision. And there's that whole little arc there with the, with that subdivision. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, all in all, an excellent episode. I totally agree with that. The next episode is the last of the season. And from the preview shots that they showed, it looks like we're going to be getting a lot more background as to the explanation of the zombie crisis. How it happened. You know, is it this virus thing like Spooky Bill brought up? I don't know. Very interesting, but man, this this series has exceeded my expectations. It really has. This is this is truly a historical moment that we're all living through here in uh, in zombie history. I do think so. This is this is one of those beacons of light that I think is going to shine in the history of of a TV series, original TV series for one, and more specifically the zombie genre. You know, we see things like. Uh, you know, White Zombie, I Walked with a Zombie, uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and uh, then movies like this, or series like this. So, yeah, 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 very awesome. But uh, I'm looking forward to the season finale, and we will talk about that next week. In this secret laboratory deep down in the bowels of the earth, this man carries out his fiendish research. Dr. Blood, murderer, who experiments with the hearts of his victims. Dr. Blood, the evil genius who robs the graves of their dead in the name of science. I'd like you to analyze whatever's in that needle, Doctor. It could tell us what happened to George Beale. Looks as though he's, though he's been kidnapped. Of course, that could explain the other disappearances. What is this? It's a, a container for a, a narrow poison made by the natives of South America. Oh. Curare. 
Starring Karen Moore as Dr. Blood, who searches for the secret of reincarnation. You can't let a man die so that you can discover something. It doesn't matter how important it is. That is murder. Well, everywhere men are dying. Great men, philosophers, artists, scientists. But if they could live on, look how they could contribute to the advancement of man. Trugay is going to help me prove that I can give life where there was death. Hazel Court as Linda, who watches a man become a monster before her frightened eyes. I think we ought to go back. No, you're going to stay here locked away with me forever. Oh, Peter, you scare me. I'm serious. You must remain within these dank walls for all eternity. Ian Hunter is the father who unknowingly helps to destroy his own son. Did you find out what was in that needle? Strychnos toxifera. Communicol curare. Dr. Blood's Coffin, the gripping drama of a man who calls on the power of the devil to satisfy his insatiable lust for the secrets of life and death. Yes. I've done it. But I wanted to create something worthwhile. You haven't brought Steve Parker back to life. This is something from hell. Dr. Blood's Coffin from 1960. This is a British film with a title that sounds like it's going to be pretty gruesome. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be one of these, you know, kind of pre-exploitation weird movies of the 60s. Um, and that's what I was hoping for, but unfortunately it's not. <laughs> Directed by Sidney J. Fury. Uh, it stars Kieran Moore as Dr. Peter Blood. How about that name? That's convenient. And uh, the beautiful Hazel Court plays the role of the nurse. So uh, right away, actually, I I'm, I'm seeing uh, influences of Herbert West Reanimator. It's the same type of plot. A medical student named Dr. Peter Blood discovers that he can go further and further during his studies at medical school in Vienna. Uh, but uh, I guess he's progressing into things that start questioning morality and, and uh, that whole ethical question is condemned by his professor and he's expelled from the school. So his father dies in the small town where he grew up. So he goes back to this town and he carries on his experiments, which involve injecting uh, living people with this exotic poison. It's actually called Kuare. From, uh, from Africa. It's some kind of arrow poison, something like that. And uh, then what he can do is remove their heart while it's still beating, put that heart into a dead person, and it can bring them back to life. Uh, so that's the whole drama that we see here. We see the love interest thing between Peter and the nurse, because he goes back, the nurse, uh, he, he falls in love with her, and they have a whole thing, but uh, at first he comes across as uh, very level-headed and very rational, but you see he's not quite right. But uh, it really doesn't play on the whole insane kind of craziness of it all as much as Reanimator does, you know. Uh, Herbert West is a little bit nuts. He's a little crazy and that comes through in his character. But in uh, here, Dr. Peter Blood isn't quite as menacing and quite as evil as you would hope for, as his name implies. I mean, anybody named Dr. Blood has to be a little sinister, don't you think? And he was kind of a straight, young, kind of strapping young British lad. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, I don't know. 
But uh, this, you know, we finally get a zombie at the end, and that was the biggest thing. The whole movie was a lot of build-up. You saw some weird experiments, you saw some weird operations, and some attempts at doing this, but you see a lot of failure, and it's a lot of drama based on the love interest, and a lot of it's kind of a kind of a murder mystery, more of anything. You know, this, this is much more of a kind of a mystery story uh, with a very driving, dramatic score. You know, the, the whole time you're kind of kept on, your, on the edge of your seat because of the score alone. <laughs> yeah, quite captivating, quite dramatic. But yeah, we don't get a zombie until the very end, but I gotta say, that zombie looks really, really cool. I was impressed by that 1960s zombie. Um, and the only thing is, it is kind of lame because uh, the zombie comes back to life, but uh, it's it's very unexpected because it attacks the doctor. It attacks Doctor Peter Blood, and uh, it kills him, and then the zombie just kind of drops dead. So it's really not any a threat to anybody else except the guy that brought him back. So that was it. We only saw one zombie. The rest of the movie was just so slow. The pacing was extremely slow, and it was much in the vein of Hammer. I, I, again, I was, I was reminded of Hammer. I don't know if it's because it was British. I don't know if it, it... I know it had a lot to do with the whole British countryside, you know, the old world architecture that you see, um, which I really, really like. I, I enjoy that. It, it's a very grim atmosphere. It's a very oppressive atmosphere, and uh, that was really cool here, but... Uh, yeah, not as much horror until the very, very end. And throughout the whole thing, you have kind of a weirdness going through. I I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it raises some big questions, and there are some big themes that can be discussed here, you know. Um, of course, the battle between religion and science, because uh, Dr. Peter Blood feels that he is he's kind of... Uh, outgrowing religion, you know, that he has no use for religion anymore because there is science, and science can go so much further. You know, man is conquering death, which, uh, can religion do that? Can religion keep man from physically dying? Well, no, but look, you know, science can do that. So, you know, that's, that's being explored here. And there's a lot of morality questions, and a lot of it, again, in the vein of reanimator. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know, what can you do? Anyhow, yeah, I was kind of disappointed by this one. I'm only going to give it a 6 out of 10, and I, I bumped it slightly above average, gave it a 6, only because of the very, very cool zombie at the end, because of the whole old world uh, European atmosphere. That was really cool, too. So this is available on Netflix, Instant Watch. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. What, what's black and sits at the top of the stairs? Stephen Hawking after a house fire. <laughs> Corey, massive man checking in. Good to see you back. Thought I'd wait to episode 27 to finally call in. But it's good to hear you back in the podcast world. Uh, don't really have anything that's on the check-in. I need to go through your back episodes here and maybe send you some reviews. Need to see if you've already reviewed things like Big Tit Zombie or whatever hell this roadkill, or zombie roadkill I watched yesterday was. Um... I'll put something together and send it in. I just got to see what you haven't covered yet. All right. Like I said, Master Man checking in. Good to hear you back. Talk to you later. Mastiff Man, you have no idea how happy I was to hear that you had called in this week. It's been a long time, brother, and I am, I am so glad to be hearing from you again, man. I would like nothing more 
than uh, to hear from you a lot more often. And I would love to hear reviews. Even if I have reviewed it already, I'd love to hear your take because you often had a very different take than me and a different perspective on things. And uh, that was great. I loved it. So dude, thanks for calling in, man. And uh, I hope to hear from you again. <laughs>
Now you've done it. Can you feel the wind? The wind is lifting the fog and blowing away the clouds that cover the moon. Now he's back at last. He will command the hounds. And all of you, all of you will die. It was an accident. All of you will die. He's crazy. Can't you see he's crazy? Make him go away. You are already dead. All of you are already dead. His dogs will not spare you. He'll find you wherever you go. And when the moon shines again, you will all die. Oh man, it's another one of those movies that I had nothing, <laughs> no idea about what I was getting into. It just had a cool cover, and I'd remember seeing this cover on uh, the video store shelves when I was a kid. And that is 1984's Monster Dog. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Written and directed by Claudio Fragasso. Uh, this is a European film, thus the feel. This had European horror written all over it. You can just feel it. Uh, and this stars Alice Cooper. I, I had no idea. I had no clue. <laughs> what a pleasant surprise. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a diehard Alice Cooper fan. But man, man, this is just great. This is really great. So it starts with an Alice Cooper video, and it appears that this video was specifically made for this movie, and this song was specifically recorded for this film. Um, it was called Identity Crisis, and uh, it fits in with the theme of the movie, uh, which you know, you'll, you'll see here in a second. But uh, Alice Cooper plays uh, this guy named Vincent Raven. He's a rock star. And uh, he's just shot this video for Identity Crisis. And of course, uh, I think he's shooting, uh, he's either reshooting for this video or he's making a, another video. But uh, he's in a van t with his whole crew. They're going out into the middle of nowhere, essentially, to make this video. And this place is actually his old hometown, which has just really uh, been, I guess, kind of abandoned. It's kind of a ghost town now. It's in ruins because uh, apparently this pack of dogs has been tormenting the place for years and years and years. Um, so, uh, you know, the dogs have killed people, whatever, and the cops are kind of like guarding the entrance to this town, but for some reason they're like, well, you realize what's going on in this town, right? And Alice Cooper is kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know, and they're like, okay. <laughs> they just kind of let them in. Um, but, uh, so they go into this town and weird things start happening. They see some dogs and things like that, a lot of weird things. And uh, <laughs> they hit a dog with the van on the way there. Okay, this dog comes out into their path, they hit it. They gotta end up putting it out of its misery with a rock. <laughs> they crush its head. And then this weird old guy shows up. And he's like, now you've done it. And he's acting all weird and he's all dirty and crazy and everything. And he's, it, it kind of reminded me of the guy from Friday the 13th, you know, he's like, you're all doomed. <laughs> and that's what this guy was like, it's really cool. And he shows up periodically throughout this whole thing. And essentially what this is, this is a werewolf movie. What we see is there's a werewolf 
uh, haunting this place. It's not the dogs necessarily, but uh, it's all kind of, I, I don't know, kind of up for interpretation also, you know. Uh, the whole time it's kind of hinted that Alice Cooper is gonna be the werewolf and that he's a werewolf. We see a lot of crazy things, a lot of surreal dream sequences, and we have the weird old guy that's uh, kind of chasing the girl around. And uh, we see a, a werewolf transformation scene at the end, um, which is kind of okay, it's kind of cool. Um, but uh, for the most part, this movie's actually pretty bad. You know, it, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's not technically done well. Um, and the first thing that clues you into that is how bad the overdubbing is. The whole movie is overdubbed. It's done very sloppily. <laughs> and the writing isn't that good. The dialogue is just downright cheesy. Um, and, you know, let's admit it. It's just downright weird seeing Alice Cooper making out with somebody. You know, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I did love the monster dog. I loved that thing. It's it's all practical effects, and it actually looks like the monster dog that you see on the cover. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and uh, it's for that reason that I went and immediately ordered a uh, a poster of this cover. And uh, it's it's a really cool 11 by 17. I found it for relatively cheap. And uh, so I'm like, man, this would make a really good thing to hang on my wall. It would look really cool. So, yeah. Yes, I found the Monster Dog poster. But uh, I really enjoyed it, as a matter of fact, even though, you know, it's kind of one of those things, but it's like it's so bad it's good, you know? It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, it is kind of scary, and it's kind of strange, and it has weird atmosphere, and I think a lot of that is due to its, its very European, you know, Italian movie, Italian horror movie. Kind of feel but it has all the elements again of a fun fun horror movie again 1980s an awesome awesome era for horror of course we got rock and roll we got the man himself alice cooper who's this really dark figure and uh yeah he does a great job in this movie i love alice cooper we got some really good scares you know some really scary moments I thought we had some good practical effects. I really do. I think we had great practical effects. A very gruesome monster dog, a uh, werewolf, and uh, genuinely weird behavior with the old weird guy, the old, you know, kind of you're all doomed guy. That was really cool. So yeah, I mean, it's cheesy, it's weird, but I love this and I am gonna watch it again. I ordered the poster of it. It's going to be displayed proudly on my weird wall of horror here at Midnight Quarry headquarters. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Available to watch on Netflix instant, so you can go watch it right now. Man, this is a great horror film. I'm gonna give it an eight out of 10. I think you ought to watch it too. That's Monster Dog. <laughs> Corey, I will leave you a message. Hey, this is uh, Jeff Bromley, who plays uh, Sergeant Bruno Diodato in the uh, Italian Zombie movies, Part 1 and Part 2. I thought I would uh, check in with you, especially now that you're the uh, official podcast for the movies. Um, you know, I was real kind of fortuitous that uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, I had just watched, you know, Human Centipede, and then on your episode 28, you know, you actually talked about it. And, you know, the one, one thing I have to admit is... Uh, I didn't really find it uh, that disgusting. Now, maybe that's because of the uh, the hype 
you know, that surrounded the movie for such a long time that, you know, when I sat down to actually watch it, I thought, wow, man, this is going to be crazy. But, you know, I really didn't think it uh, was that bad. And although I will admit, yeah, that they did play a lot with the angles and the way they filmed it, you know, especially with the bandages and stuff like that. So they, they definitely hit a lot. But, yeah, I didn't think it was disgusting as, as what everyone made it out to be. You know, I mean, and you were right on the money with how predictable the movie was from the, you know, the girls, uh, you know, getting stranded on the road and somehow they get lost in the woods. You know, I guess they decided to get off the road, go into the woods, you know, find the guy's house, you know. And I'll tell you the other thing that kind of really bugged me with the movie, too, is when uh, he's prepping them, you know, for the surgery and he's giving them their uh, anesthesia. And the one girl finally decides to uh, try to bite the uh, um, hand restraint, you know, to loosen it up and gets free. I mean, why the hell didn't she do that, you know, like two weeks earlier or something, man, when they first got put down there? But I will admit that uh, you were right on the money, too, with, uh, you know, that Dieter Laser, man. That guy was uh, fantastic. I mean, and there was definitely a uh, Nazi uh, kind of SS feel, you know, to his character and stuff. Um, the other thing I was going to talk about too was the the Walking Dead. You know, I'm really enjoying listening to your reviews of the episodes and stuff like that. Um, I'll admit I've never read the comic, so uh, you know I don't really know. Uh, I didn't really know too much about the background about it and stuff. But uh, so far, I think it's uh, been a pretty uh, pretty good show. Um, I got to admit though, I think my favorite character is Jeffrey Demon. I think he plays Dale. I mean, come on, it's the end of the world. There's zombies running all over the place, man, and he's worried about loaning out tools and not getting them back. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> and then, you know, I love Michael Rooker, always have, um, and I can't wait to see him come back into the episodes. I mean, you know he's going to at some point, and um, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, what happens with his character and stuff like that when he does get back. But, hey, just thought I'd uh, call in, check in with you, and see how things are going and stuff like that, man. Love the show. Keep up the great work. You know, I never miss an episode, man. All right? So take care. And this is uh, Jeff Bromley signing out. Talk to you later. Jeff Bromley, you are one of my favorite people in the world. And it's not just because you listen to my show and that you call in, but it's because you're generally a cool guy. But I, I really appreciate you calling in. I love hearing from you. And uh, your your thoughts on the human centipede, you know, uh, you're you're exactly right, and I guess um, you know when you say you didn't think it was that disgusting, I can totally see that because visually it wasn't. Visually, it wasn't disgusting. I was getting into being disgusted more by what was implied, I guess, and uh, you know, just some of the scenes. You know, while the while the guy in front was taking a dump into the girl's mouth behind him, while a lot of that was implied. You know, they did just enough of, the, of it there. I don't know. It, it was just, <laughs> oh, man. Man, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, definitely it wasn't that disgusting of a visual thing for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, Walking Dead, you're absolutely right. It's a great show. Uh, Dale is, in fact, a great character. He's one of those characters that are in the top tier as far, far as The Walking Dead goes. And, uh, yeah, I believe that Michael Rooker, we will see him again. He is too good of an actor, too good of a character in The Walking Dead to not see again and to not bring back and to stir things up because he was one of those very, very strong characters that you had an instant reaction to. And that's why I'm thinking, uh, I've called it before, but, uh, you know, am I going to call it again? No, no, but, yeah. 
Jeff, thank you, sir, for uh, for calling in. And I, I, I love, of course, the Italian zombie movie. This is the official podcast of it. And, uh, dude, you guys are awesome. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. If you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. Cried out. I will return. I will have my revenge. He lives on whatever he can catch right now. One summer five years ago is about to happen again and again and again. The burning. Oh, 1981. This is the burning. <laughs> now this is another one that just popped up on Netflix Instant Watch, and I think you ought to go watch this one. Uh, I had no idea that this even existed. I'd never heard of this. And man, I am really glad that I saw this. It's basically, I mean, it's your textbook slasher. This, if, uh, if you got somebody out there that you got a friend, a loved one, somebody that you run into, whatever, and they know nothing about slasher movies. You say, hey, have you ever seen any slashers? And they don't even know what that is. Um, then you can show them this movie, and this will give them absolutely everything that they will need to know about a slasher movie. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Actually, you know, when you're watching a movie that you know nothing about whatsoever, and then uh, actors show up, and you're like, hey... Wow, uh, what's his name's in that movie? And so, you know, it kind of gives that movie a little bit of that added coolness. And that happened to me actually twice during this movie. First of all, Jason Alexander, a very young Jason Alexander, <laughs> stars in this movie. He's one of the teenage boys at this camp. Um, he's a little thinner. Uh, he has a lot more hair. He has kind of this wavy hair, and he's uh, not wearing glasses or anything. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, to me, he's George Costanza, and that, and that's it. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting role. And also, we see Brian Backer, who, uh, you know, I saw him, I saw his his uh, character on this screen, and he's also one of the teenage boys. He's more of the, the weirder ones, the, the boy that's getting beat up and whatever. But uh, I saw him in this movie, and I'm like, where did I see him before? I can only, you know, I, I can picture him. I know I've seen his face, and I, I know that... I've seen the movie several times, whatever he was in, and I just had a hard time putting my finger on it. And eventually, I had to look him up, and it was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was playing one of the main guys in that, and you'll know exactly who he is, too, when you see him. So, yeah, that was kind of cool, added to the coolness of this. And as in all slashers, um, we have great kills. What this is about is we're at a summer camp for boys and girls, and actually they're kept in separate cabins, of course. And uh, they're all teenagers, and of course they're up to their usual mischief. And I guess years ago, uh, during one of the sessions of this camp, 
there was a guy who was there that everybody hated. He was a drunk. I don't know if he was one of the, I don't think he was one of the counselors. He might've been one of the workers there or something, but he would drink like two bottles of whiskey a day and everybody hated him. He was real ugly. So a lot of the boys go and play a joke on him the one night where they take this skull, this really gruesome skull with worms and maggots all over it, and they put candles in the eyes, and they put it in his room while he's sleeping, and then they all gather outside his window and tap on the window, and he wakes up and he sees the skull and he's freaked out, but of course everything goes wrong. He freaks out and knocks the skull down onto his bed, sets the bed on fire, sets him on fire, and he starts burning up. And that's the background of this guy, uh, he survives, but of course now he wants revenge. So he's seeking revenge, and you can pretty much uh, tell me the story now of this movie because you know it already. It's, like I said, a textbook slasher, but uh, it's 1981. You know, this was made within a few years of, of Halloween and Black Christmas. Well, Black Christmas was a lot earlier than this, actually. But um, uh, also the first, first Friday the 13th showed up this year. So, you know, uh, this is one of the original slashers. So it's hard to tell if this stole anything or borrowed anything or was one of the first to do this. But uh, yeah, I mean, this has all the elements of a good slasher. It has great kills. Great kills. Oh, man, especially the very first one is done with a pair of scissors. And most of the rest of them are done with these big garden clippers. And, uh, man, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> it is lots of blood. They don't hold back at all. Um, man, man, you know, and, uh, this does resemble Friday the 13th, though. I was thinking of that a lot because of the summer camp and the killer, when you see his face, he rem he resembles Jason when, uh, he doesn't have his mask because he's all, he's, he's very deformed and, uh, but this guy's more burned up, I guess. But, uh, yeah, kind of reminded me of Jason. And uh, you even got that part at the end where you're sure he's dead. You're sure that they've killed him. But he comes back one more time for another scare. And then they have to kill him again. You know? <laughs> like he didn't really die the first time. <laughs> but, uh, and as, as we have with all good slashers, you know, it's the 1980s. And it's just hard to match the caliber of slashers out of the 80s. You know, we have other slashers in the 90s, and of course in the 70s there are some really good ones. But, uh, you know, in the 90s and now in the 2000s, uh, you know, slashers just aren't the same as what they were back in the 80s. Because I love the 80s atmosphere and the music and the clothes they wore and the style. And this is early 80s too. I mean, this is, this is really, really some cool stuff. Um, of course, the summer camp, the naughty teenagers, you know, they're having sex and they're, they're bullying and things like that. And of course, you know, it's the old story of, you know, the teenagers who are misbehaving, who are going out and having sex and doing all these terrible things are the ones that are going to die. And of course, the kills themselves are very creative. They're great. <laughs> they're really good. I, I, you know, this is a fun one to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, you just gotta go see this one. It's available on Netflix, Instant Watch. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 for having all the elements of a great slasher film. It's fun, and I recommend that you give it a watch. This song was, uh, very experimental for me. Uh, this is, uh, my original music for this week, and it's called Wheelchair. Uh, and, uh, it, it's, it's experimental in that, uh, I had had my electric guitar, uh, tuned way down to B 
and uh, so the strings were very loose. I tried to put some heavier strings on there, and actually it ended up that uh, <laughs> as I was tuning it back up again just the other day, the string broke, so... I gotta restring that, um, but that's just what I got coming to me, because I do all these weird tunings. So I had it in open B, and it's a very uh, loose strings, and as you go further up the neck, you gotta be very careful about keeping it in tune. And so uh, I, I just tried seeing what kind of things that I could do uh, in this open B tuning. So I, I wrote and recorded the music, uh, actually I think back in October, for this and I just recently wrote the words oh yeah a lot of words in this song you'll see but uh, yeah this really needs no introduction um, it's kind of what it is and again this is uh, another one that's kind of different from anything else that I've done <laughs> yeah so here we go this week I got for you wheelchair
Corey, what's up? It's a skeptical Zach. Alright, man, I gotta weigh in on the whole mail order zombie thing. Alright, here's the deal. I listen to Mail Order Zombie, and I listen to Midnight Corey. I listen to both of you guys for a while, since it was the uh, Midnight Podcast, right? Um, I like both of you guys. I, uh, you know, in your own way, you guys are different, but uh, I enjoy you both. I kind of feel like you guys are, uh, um, you know, parental figures almost to me when it comes to zombies, and actually kind of pains me to see you guys going through your little tiffs. Um, but, you know, I kind of just try to stay a little neutral. Still listen to both of you guys. Um, do I think you're kind of an asshole? Yeah, maybe. Um, do I think, you know, D and them maybe deserve it a little? Yeah, maybe. But that's besides the point. I mean, I have actually given money to Miller Zombie. Let me tell you why. I used to run a skeptical organization in my area. Um, and it's a lot of work, man, you know, and it's, I feel, it felt like a huge weight on my shoulders every week to have to, you know, meet my deadlines and do whatever I had to do. And, you know, it, it felt like a job and I got to be no fun anymore because of it. And, and I know that podcasting has to be like that. And so, you know, it's my way of saying thanks. I love, love the show and I enjoy the show. It's my way of contributing back. I do the same for you, my friend. So, I don't know. There's my take on it. I wish uh, my mommy and daddy would stop fighting, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. And I still enjoy it both. And I do find your, uh, you know, uh, poking the ribs of MOZ kind of funny. But it also uh, upsets me that it upsets Brother D. But what are you going to do? Later, Claire. Skeptical Zach, that right there is one of the reasons why uh, you have quickly just become somebody who I, I very highly respect. Uh, you always have extremely intelligent, thoughtful things to call in about. And I so much appreciate that you actually think and that you, you're actually rational because so many people out there are not. And I appreciate your comments on this whole mail order zombie thing. Now, um, yeah, it's controversial. Yeah, I'm, I'm a jerk and I know that. But it's it's like... I'm doing it because, to me, it's actually very hilarious. And it's nothing at all serious. I'm not trying to attack anything. I just, I, I come up with these things in my head, and they are so hilarious to me that uh, I actually make them kind of come true, come alive. And I do these weird web pages and, you know, these rants and things like that, and the, the mail order zombie song and things. Because it's so funny because of the ridiculousness that's behind it all. Uh, the ridiculousness that is podcasting, the ridiculousness that it is uh, to pursue podcasting as like a career thing. And I, I know that, okay, if you want to try it, I mean, go for it. I love when people are trying new things and whatever. But, uh, you know, it, let's be honest. Would I love to be paid for doing what I'm doing right now? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. I would love to be paid for doing this. I would love to be doing nothing more than to be sitting around talking about movies, making music, uh, watching movies, things like that. But I have this thing that's called uh, reality and uh, real life, something that's not necessarily on the internet at all. And it's, it's this whole uh, realm of things that's over and above podcasting and it's over and above why I podcast. And uh, I actually consider 
uh, the reality of what I do and the reality of podcasting. And I don't know, I might be getting kind of weird on you here, but uh, I think you know where I'm coming from. So when I do things about mail order zombie and mail order zombie this, mail order zombie that, and I'm kind of busting on them, really I have nothing personal against them. Um, there were a lot of really questionable things that they did and said kind of behind the scenes that we had in, in private conversations that were absolutely ridiculous and uh, I'm just not going to talk about those out of respect for those were private conversations. Uh, but uh, just let me assure you that <laughs> it's all in good fun. A lot of people are like, oh, it's an old joke. Why don't you get something new? It's such an old joke. You've said this before. You know why I'm doing it? Because I think it's hilarious. And that's all the justification I need. And like I've told a lot of people out there, and it's not like I'm telling you this skeptical, Zach, because I know where you're coming from. But, you know, if people don't like listening to this, they don't like what I'm doing, then don't don't come to my website. Don't listen to the podcast. I mean, it's no skin off my back. I, you know, whatever. Uh, I've, I've witnessed uh, a lot of people dropping off, but I've also witnessed a lot of people joining up and listening throughout all of this, too. So uh, it's just all in good fun. This means nothing. Podcasting means nothing. Twitter means nothing. The internet, uh, when it's all said and done, means nothing. So, uh, you know, we might as well have fun with it before the whole thing goes up in flames. All right. All right. <laughs> so, but Skeptical Zach, thank you for being thoughtful. Thank you for not bursting out with emotional rants and things like that. I totally respect that uh, you'll, you'll listen to any podcast that you want to, and I admire you for listening to both this podcast and Mail Order Zombie, M-O-Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, you're, that's totally up to you. That's totally your choice, and if that's what you want to do, rock and roll, man. I, I'm, I'm totally for whatever. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I hope I haven't turned you off on my podcast because, uh, yeah, like I said, I have a great, great deal of respect for you. So thank you, brother. Stay loose and stay safe. And remember, when you think zombie movies, think Nanakori. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for listening to my show. <laughs> it's the end again here. Uh, I'm out of stuff to talk about. Well, not really, but I'm kind of out of time for the podcast, so I'm going to go now. But uh, thank you, everybody who sent things in this week and called in to the voicemail. Uh, Misfit Boy with the awesome PSA. <laughs> uh, Mastiff Man, great to hear from you, man. It's been a while, and I, I was certainly just uh, delighted to see that you had called in. Skeptical Zach, as always, uh, my friend who is very level-headed about everything, <laughs> which is uh, uh, very fortunate in my regard. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bromley from the Italian Zombie Movie, fantastic guy. And Spooky Bill... Always. Spooky Bill's like the champion, I think, so far of calling in to uh, my podcast. So, congratulations. But anyhow, all wonderful people, I will have the appropriate respective links up on my website and or in my show notes. So go to MidnightCory.com and check it out. And uh, next week, I'm going to look at a zombie movie from 1961 that is pretty obscure. Um, but I'm watching this one on YouTube. It's available on there in many parts. Um, and it looks like somebody taped it off of a television presentation of it. So that's going to be what I review, because that's the only way I can find this right now without having to order it off of Amazon or something. Um, that is Curse of the Doll People from 1961. Also goes under the name of Devil Doll Men. Yeah, yeah. And this apparently is another very weird one. So we'll see. <laughs> but 
<laughs> I will be talking about that next week and uh, hopefully some other movies that I get to watch and some other cool stuff. More original music because I already have my song for next week recorded because I am Mr. Ahead of Time. Oh, yeah, that's me. But uh, thank you again for listening. I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. Um, being that uh, I appreciate everybody who participates and calls in and sends me uh, the audio stuff. Um, for the next two episodes, all right, so for episode 30 and 31, anybody whose voicemails uh, make it onto either of those episodes will be enter in, entered in, <laughs> that is, to uh, receive a copy of Dark, a horror anthology which uh, features a story by yours truly. Oh yes, it's the first and only time I've been published. It is a short story about zombies, and uh, people seem to enjoy it. And I have four copies here that I want to give away to you guys. So, if you call the voicemail of death at 814-806-2828 and leave me a message or of, of some sort, you can either talk about the movies I've been talking about, talk about some movies that I haven't talked about, or just talk about something completely different, um, then I'll enter you in for a drawing for one of these four books. Uh, a lot of other great authors in this. Uh, who else do we got? You know, Skeptical Zach, you'll be happy to know that uh, Derek M. Koch uh, appears. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, as one of the other authors, uh, he's uh, he does that other podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of authors in here. Let me see. Uh, there's him. There's me. There's... Um, uh, Brian Wolford from Drunken Zombie, uh, J.P. Moore, Keith Latch, who is man extraordinaire, uh, Des Reddick, uh, let's see, uh, da, 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 Steve Wands. Yeah, you're a great bunch of people that I know you've all heard of. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you can get one for free. Just call in or uh, if you're overseas, you don't feel like you're being charged long distance or international or whatever, you can also send me a uh, an MP3 um, or uh, you can leave me a message, I think, over Skype. Uh, if you have my Skype name. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So you can send me an MP3. Just record a little thing. Tell me hello. Tell me hi. <laughs> Tell me how disappointed you are about my behavior with Mail Order Zombie. I can take it. I can take it. <laughs> so, anyhow, there we go. So that's the special secret drawing contest, I guess, thing here that I'm announcing at the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. I certainly appreciate your companionship. And uh, stay tuned next week for another uh, podcast. All right. All right. Let's on WFMU. Dark, you're on the